Welcome back to the RCF Podcast. I'm here once again with Alice and Talani. Welcome back. I am very excited to be back again this week, Matt and Alice. Thank you again for inviting me over. We're glad to have you back with us. In last week's episode, we talked about two questions everybody's asking. Mm -hmm. Who am I and why am I here? It essentially deals with identity and purpose. We talked about that in last week's episode. Since you're a professor at URI, you've actually incorporated these questions into your class. And I think that's great because it's a question that everybody can be asking. But as Christians, we have an answer, I think, that is on a strong, firm foundation whereas the world, their answers are are all over the place. That's kind of what we discussed last week. So we've got two more questions. Talani, what are those last two questions that you asked? Mm -hmm. So I want to preface this by saying that the name of my course is Leadership in Global Crisis. So the leadership part tackles the identity and the purpose part. Mm -hmm. And the global crisis is now that you know who you are and why you're here, how will you now tackle these different problems in the world. So the third question is, what is wrong with the world? And that's where the global crisis part comes into play. And then the fourth question is, how can we make what is wrong right in the world? Those are excellent questions. I want to start by asking you again, how do students normally answer that? Right. So when I ask the question of what is wrong with the world, students go ballistic. They have so many responses about what they feel like is wrong with the world. And a lot of them are like climate change, hyperpolarization, deforestation, social media, uh, mental health. That's a big idea right now for them. And something that's been fascinating me lately about how students respond to this question, some students are saying that there are too many children in the world. And because of that, they don't want to have any children. They feel like population is a problem. What's really interesting with these problems, for example, climate change, if you go back and look throughout history, you see that it wasn't as if prior to the Industrial Revolution that the climate was perfect and never changed in any way. Mm-hmm. Or take another example, the problem of racism. Many trace the original problem, the original sin in many ways, back to the African slave trade. Mm-hmm. But wasn't racism around before then? Mm-hmm. Or one more example, look at mental health over human history. People have always struggled with many of the same issues. We may have names for them now, but these problems are nothing new. We need to get to the core of what is the problem? Why are these things such big issues in our world? This is where scripture informs us and helps us to get to the root issues rather than just dealing with the surface level problems. And I think we can say that all of these things that you've listed are just the surface level. The real problem is deeper. I love that you mention and you're bringing in history in here because there is humanity has history. Oh, we have problems. (laughs) We have problems, right? Since Adam and Eve, sin has been birthed, right? And Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon talks about how there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. We're always revamping our sin in different ways. It's not really new. It's just a new way that humanity is now expressing this sinful idea. So yeah, nothing is really new under the sun. And we've never been in utopia since Genesis in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Utopia died once Adam and Eve ate the fruit. 
And so a lot of people refuse to talk about the word sin. It's not like a normal word people use. Like, oh, we're just broken. We make mistakes. Yes, you know, yes. those types of things. Yeah. Sin is not a word that this generation uses anymore. Yeah. And which is why I think that it's difficult for us to really talk about the root of the real problem. And that's why we talk about the surface level problem. Because I think what is in the root of talking about climate change or um, hyperpolarization and political ideology and different political affiliations is because the reason why we bring these things up is to mask the problem itself. One thing I've observed in many conversations, but also just observing the world and the culture we live in today, is everybody's a victim. Mm-hmm. And if you're a victim, then you're not at fault. Right. And so it's always somebody else that is the problem. It's always somebody else that has caused you to be a victim. Mm -hmm. In that, there's no personal responsibility. And I think that's a lot of why we have lost that word sin is because nobody believes they're guilty of anything. Mm -hmm. The problem lies elsewhere. The problem is somebody else or it's something else that somebody else caused. But that's part of the problem is nobody is taking responsibility for their actions. Nobody's taking responsibility for their choices. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that, that sometimes we don't see ourselves as one of the causes of the problem. And I think that's why we want to focus on other outside problems and not the inward problem of sin that's going on in my heart. G.K. Chesterton is famous for answering that question. Somebody wrote in and asked, what is wrong with the world? And Chesterton just responded simply, I am. And imagine if we all thought that way, Mm -hmm. instead of everyone else is the problem or everything else is the problem. You've brought up climate change, but how many climate change people actually think that they are the problem? (laughs) You don't see that. You know, climate change activists typically don't think that they are the actual problem. They think it's somebody else. Sure, yeah, there are people that that are doing bad things to the environment. But with everything that we're looking at, we should be getting to the root. So sin is rebellion against God Mm -hmm. and against his commands. Mm -hmm. We have to see it like that. You know, you said we've taken away that idea of sinfulness, and I think that's a big reason for it, right? Because we want to take God out of the picture and so if we just say that we're broken or, you know, something's messed up, we don't have to reference God and we don't have to reference his commandments. If we're going to get to the heart of what's wrong with the world, mm-hmm. we need to see it's our own sinfulness and it's our rebellion against God that is the problem. Right. Yeah. I believe that there's a reason why we are looking for other problems other than sin. It could be that we are trying to preserve ourselves like climate change, for example, I'll use that. Why is it that we want to save the planet? What is it in the heart of humanity that we want to save the planet for? Is it because we want immortality? You know, is it because we want to live forever? So we want to preserve the whole world? What is in the heart of humanity that's causing us to think that climate change is a problem that we can fix ourselves? And I think it stems from the lack of understanding my identity and my purpose. Because if I knew who I was, that I'm a created being, and that I have no control over the climate, but I can try my best. I can recycle. I can try to drive as many electric cars as possible, even though that's also a problem now. Um, But none of those things will ever produce immortality in my life. None of these things will satisfy what's going on in my heart. 
So in Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sin came into creation, the earth suffered for that as well. And so sin is the real root of the problem. And the only way that that can be redeemed, and we're getting into the fourth question here, which is how can we make what is wrong right? Jesus is the answer to all of it. From a biblical worldview, we cannot make the world right. Mm -hmm. From an atheistic standpoint, we would say, okay, yeah, we're going to try to fix all of these things that we see as, as problems. And we have this idea that maybe we'll get to that point where, you know, the John Lennon song that imagine and the world would be as one, the world is right, everything's happy. We can't because man has a sinful heart and there is nothing we can do if we understand our identity, and our purpose, like we talked about in the previous episode, as we are created in the image of God for God, then we are never going to be able to fulfill those things. We are never going to be able to to make everything right if we are running away from God, if we are in rebellion to God. And so we have to recognize sin is the problem, and then how can it be made right? It's only through Christ. Does that mean that everything is going to be perfect here in the world? No, because sin is still reigning in the hearts of mankind. Until Christ comes back, we won't see that realized fully. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I'm sure most of us have heard that verse in relation to our sin, um, to our, our fallen humanity. But the verse right after that, verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so God looks at the heart, but he looks at what the heart produces. And so he's looking at the actions of men. He's looking at what's coming out of a person. And then I was also thinking about Matthew 15, where Jesus is talking about what defiles a person. Um, And he says in verse 18, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So again, he's talking about how what's in our hearts comes out in our words and in our actions. And so if the heart is wicked and desperately sick, as it says in Jeremiah, then what's going to come out are evil deeds Mm -hmm. and evil thoughts and evil actions. And so, and we're definitely prone to see that more clearly in other people than in ourselves because the heart is deceitful. Um, Because the heart is deceitful, it hides our sin from ourselves. It covers it over and tells us that we're good and right in all of our choices and all of our decisions, but points to other people and points out the sin in their heart and and how that's coming to bear in their lives, in their words and their actions. Mm And even with the whole mental health stuff that's going on, it's not us looking at our own heart and, okay, why am I in the condition that I'm in? Take anxiety, for example. Uh, We did an episode on that where it gets to the root problem of what's going on with anxiety. It's me. It's my heart. It's my desire. It's me not trusting God. 
a lot of people, they're not attributing the mental health issues Mm -hmm. to what's going on in their heart. Right. I think you just saying that reminds me of why these four questions are actually very connected. Because, for example, you're talking about anxiety. When people complain about, oh, I'm just an anxious person, mm-hmm. that's an identity. Yeah, it can be. It. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are wrapping up mental health issues with their with identity. Their identity. Yeah. And it's not connected. You're struggling with anxiety. You're not yeah. an anxious person. That's not who you were created to be. Right. Us understanding the fact that we are a created being and that we are here for a purpose, and that right now maybe we're struggling with the problem of identity, it allows us to go back to the creator and say, all right, who do you say I am? Do you say I'm an anxious person? All right, you don't say I'm an anxious person, so then why am I struggling with anxiety? And so allowing the creator to give us the right solution, because what the world does is if we don't know who we are as people, and we don't know why we're here, and we don't have a good understanding or grasp of the problem and why they're happening, then we're not able to come up with the right solution. So the Mm -hmm. world gives us a solution Mm -hmm. that's not really the right solution. And so we're going up that mountain over and over again to try to come up with a solution to these different problems. Social media and just media in general and society in general has a way of creating a problem that's not really there while disregarding the real problem and giving you a solution that has no place in whatever problem that you are experiencing. But if you're not careful enough, you can buy into these ideas and stake claims on things that don't really exist and shouldn't be worried about, and you can't even fix. When we think about a lot of these issues that have been given, Mm -hmm. we said Christ is the solution. So practically, how does that play out? How is Christ the solution to racism? to climate change, to mental health issues, to population issues, Mm -hmm. all of these things that you've mentioned. How is Jesus the ultimate solution to that? Mm -hmm. Jesus himself said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when you think of the idea of truth, I think when it comes to maybe the mental health problems that's going on in society or the climate change, Who's actually telling us the truth about these different issues? What is the actual truth about these different issues? Certainly. And Jesus is obviously the way, the way of salvation, but he also says that he's the life. Mm -hmm. And that's important because in John 10.10, he tells us that he came that we might have life abundantly. Think how important that is to us as we deal with mental health issues, for example. Mm -hmm. Sin enslaves us to those issues. But Jesus gives us hope. Right, right, he gives right. us life so that the depressed doesn't have to stay in depression. Mm-hmm. The anxious person doesn't have to live in fear or panic. Right. Jesus gives us the ability to live life trusting in him. Mm-hmm. And I think we mentioned it earlier in terms of racism, how Jesus brings people together mm-hmm. instead of dividing us based on our ethnicity or our skin color or any of those kinds of things. Christ is the solution. Mm-hmm. That's Ephesians 2. We can see that there. The world's solution of critical race theory doesn't offer forgiveness or reconciliation. Mm -hmm. It only further divides. Mm -hmm. The gospel, on the other hand, brings a solution, the reconciliation that we need. Jesus changes the heart and can heal broken relationships and hatred toward one another. Mm, And then there's the climate. First of all, God is the one who created the world. He is sovereign over all of it. And Colossians 1.17 tells us that Jesus holds all of it together. 
So there's the deeper issue there Mm -hmm. of us seeking that control that ultimately belongs to God, since he's the one who commands even the weather. We see that throughout Scripture, Mm -hmm. and specifically in Matthew 8, when Jesus calms the storm. So do we really think that we can take charge of the environment? Mm -hmm. There's an aspect here of trusting God for our well-being and trusting him that this world is going to continue as long as he wants it to continue. And as we trust God, as he changes our heart, we are going to be good stewards of what he's given. But we don't have to fear that any little thing that we might do might bring the ultimate doom to the earth. The same goes for the population of the earth, as you mentioned earlier. We trust that God is the one who brings life. No one is born that he didn't give life to. And then there's mental health. How is Christ the solution to that? Again, if I'm battling something like depression, instead of just blaming it on the brain, as I believe Ed Welch has a book by that title, but instead of just blaming the chemical imbalance that may or may not be there, I'm looking at what's going on in my heart. Where am I placing my hope right now? Mm -hmm. Where am I looking for purpose? Is it in Christ or is it in my own abilities or my own circumstances? Christ is clearly the better answer, the only true answer there. And one example I'm kind of surprised that you didn't mention, how about the problem of mass shootings? Mm. The world says that the problem is guns and mental health, but is the ultimate solution really to take away their guns or to give people therapy and medication? None of those solutions change the heart. An evil desire that desires to kill someone is going to find a way. So those are inadequate solutions. But Jesus He changes the heart. He gets to the root of the problem so that the person who has hatred in his or her heart now loves God and loves their neighbor. We need to see that these things find their ultimate solution in Jesus Christ, the very one who created us and gives us life and purpose. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Mm -hmm. that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm -hmm. Don't be conformed to this world. So whatever the world is saying the problem is, you need to go to scripture and find out what the true problem is, but also the truth of the scriptures is going to help you to be able to answer the world in, in what they're saying the problem is. And so it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, we renew our mind by feeding it the truth. We're going to be able to see things in a clear light. We're going to be able to see things as they truly are. And so I can recognize that, yes, there's a problem, but it's not the ultimate problem. Mm. And by the renewal of your mind, you can recognize that, yes, there are divisions among people in so many ways. We've mentioned racism. We've mentioned hyperpolarization. You know, so people have extremely opposing ideas of what's right and wrong. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Mm. I mean, hostility is <laughs> defines the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's hostile towards each other in one way or another. Right. But I love this verse because it's just so healing, you know? I mean, he himself is our peace, and he's broken down that wall of hostility. He has allowed a way for people who are extremely opposite Mm. to be reconciled to live in peace with one another but it's only in christ that we can have that yeah right so yeah in thinking of christ as the solution we're talking about the gospel here the ultimate problem 
is our sin. We see in Genesis 3, the fall, and we see that we are supposed to be in right relationship with God, but we aren't because of our sin. We are in rebellion against him. And so how can we be made right? What needs to change? Well, our heart needs to change. Well, our heart is wicked. Our heart is against God in our sin-fallen state. So this is where Christ has come in. This is where he is the solution that we've already referenced Ephesians 2. But if you back up all the way to the beginning of Ephesians 2, verse 1, where it says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Mm -hmm. That was our condition in terms of our relationship with God. We were dead. But verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So nothing that we did, we can't come to these questions and say, yes, we are the problem, but we are also the solution. Mm -hmm. That's not what scripture tells us. God, he showed his mercy. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. We don't make ourselves alive. We don't solve that problem ourselves. So it is by God's grace that we have been saved through faith. In verse 8, what we are to do is to trust him, right? And so in all of these situations, in all of these things, anything that we see as what, what is the problem? What, what is going on with this world? We are to trust God in that situation. Ultimately, he has the solution. His word has spoken to us That's what we have to recognize, that these questions here really lead us, should lead us to the gospel. Well, I wish we had more time to keep talking about this, but hopefully we've given a few examples that will help our listeners go below the Mm -hmm. surface to the root problem, which is sin against God. And I hope that you'll consider how Jesus is the ultimate solution to anything that we face in life. Thank you, Talani, for being here and for helping us think through some of life's big picture questions. I've had such a great time, and um, it's always great catching up with you, Alice. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like more information on Rhodey Christian Fellowship, visit us on the web, rhodeyfellowship.com, or on Instagram at Rhodey Fellowship.